morning we'll continue our journey in the book of Philippians as we're studying through Paul's letter to the church of Philippi. Now I have a goal that I'm going to need your help with. I really would like to get through this letter before Christmas Eve. Okay? Because in studying and looking ahead, <clears throat> God's given me what I think is a pretty cool Christmas Eve message. But unless you people start listening faster, I don't know if we're going to get to have the Christmas Eve message, Caleb. So I'm going to need you guys to do your part, and I will try to do my part as we continue to move, move forward through our through our study of the book of Philippians. So let's turn to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians 3, we're going to read the first 11 verses here and then we'll kind of we'll jump back and we'll start dissecting what it is that, that Paul was writing. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write to you again about this is no trouble for me and is a protection for you. Watch out for dogs. Watch out for, which I think that's a great, right there. Kids, you've been asking for a dog. Paul says, watch out for them. I think that's good reason right there to not have a pet. Now, all the pet lovers have already, they've turned me off right now. That's not what Paul was saying, completely an aside there. Watch out for dogs. Watch out for evil workers. Watch out for those who mutilate the flesh, for we are the circumcision the ones who serve by the Spirit of God, boast in Christ Jesus, do not put confidence in the flesh, although I once had confidence in the flesh too. If anyone else thinks he has grounds for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, persecuting the church, as to the righteousness that is in the law, blameless. But everything that was a gain to me, I have considered to be a loss because of Christ. More than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Because of Him, I have suffered the loss of all things and considered them filth, so that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. Now look at verse 10. My goal is to know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings, being conformed to His death, assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead. Now that's a lot to chew on. That is a big passage. Let's pray and then we will, we will dive into to Paul's letter. Father, we come to you. And God, we ask that you would bless this time. And Father, I call on your promise that, that your word will not return void. So Father, we pray that, that your word teaches us today. Not, uh, not the words of, of a man or not the thoughts of a man, but Father, your spirit would speak. And your, your words would teach us this morning. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. 
All right, I want us to start here. We're going to start with the end in mind. I want us to kind of work backward a little bit. We're going to look in, in verse 10 where Paul talks about his goal. And he gives it very clearly what his goal is. And then we'll kind of work backward as to how does he, how does he say we could achieve this goal? How does he hope to achieve this goal and the application that we can take from that? But when I, when I thought about doing that and thinking about the beginning with the end in mind, I was reminded of, um, I read a book called One Last Strike. It's, a, uh, it's about Tony La Russa. He was the manager of the St. Louis Cardinals. So if you're a baseball fan, you may remember the 2011 baseball season. If you're not a baseball fan, bear with me for just, it'll take three minutes or so, and then you can start listening again. So in 2011, the Cardinals, there's 30 games left in the season. They're down by 10 games, okay? That's a lot, Amanda, okay? And 10 games back with only 30 games to play, that's not a lot of time to make up that ground, okay? Everybody still with me, even the non-baseball people? Are we okay so far? Here's what was interesting that, that Tony La Russa says in this book, that with 30 games to play, he sees that he's down by 10 games. He decides right then, he starts tweaking his pitching rotation, okay? Those of you who are not familiar with baseball, you know, a baseball team might have four or five starting pitchers, and they will rotate because you cannot pitch game after game after game. They would have three to four days rest between there. So a manager really has to adjust when he pitches who to ensure that he has the right people pitching on the right for the right game. He knew that he wanted his ace, Chris Carpenter, pitching that very last game of the season because he knew that if there's any chance for us to come back, if there's any chance for us to come back and, and secure a wild card and secure a playoff spot, that last game is going to be meaningful. We're going to need to win that last game. So even 30 games away from that, he begins to adjust his pitching rotation to ensure that his starting pitcher, that his ace, is pitching that last day of the season, that last game of the season. So it, it plays out that, that it comes down and, and he's made that adjustment and the game does matter. The last game of the season does matter. And his ace is pitching on the mound because he began with the end in mind. And the Cardinals win that game, and there are so many crazy things that happen uh, on that day. The right people lose and, and all of that, and the Cardinals are able to secure a playoff spot and then make an unprecedented run through the playoffs and actually win the World Series that year. And Tony La Russa retires as manager. So it's, it's a great story. It's an interesting read. If you're a baseball fan, I would recommend it. But I've always, that, that story right there has always stuck with me about beginning with the end in mind. Doing the things that you need to do today to make sure that the things that need to happen at the end are possible. And I think that's what Paul tells us. Look at verse 10. You know, we read, we read a lot there. There's a lot of things that, that he's given us, but then in verse 10 he says, My goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death. After saying everything that he's been, everything that he's gone through, his, he kind of gives us his resume a little bit, but then he tells us his goal. My goal is to know him. Now, it's important that we go back and we look at the original language of the know here, 
This know does not mean to know of him. It does not mean to know about him. It does not mean to have some type of academic knowledge of. But this know means to know through experience. To have an experience of. It's a much more intimate word. So when he says here, I want to know him, he's really saying, I want to experience him. I want to experience the resurrection. I want to experience the sufferings that he has. That's a much different idea than just knowing of. Look at Matthew chapter 16. I think, I think it's interesting that we need to go back and look even what Christ says about this. Matthew 16 Matthew 16, verse 24 and 25. These are the words of, of Christ here. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wants to come with me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life because of me will find it. Now look in, in John. John chapter 10. In chapter 10, starting in verse, verse 27, we look at this where Paul's talking about wanting to know Christ, wanting to experience Christ, wanting to have this intimate knowledge of Him. And I think when we when we see that, there's a difference in we know who someone is. Maybe, it, But if it's someone you've not met, do they know you? We can know someone. We can know maybe uh, in politics or in government or in, in the entertainment world. We know who they are. We have knowledge of them. But if they don't know you, then... It's not the same word that we're looking at here. It's not this same intimate type of knowing. It's not this experiencing them. You can't experience someone unless they also know you. And John tells us here in John chapter 10, verse 27, My sheep hear my voice. I know them. I know them. I've experienced them. I have experience with them. I've walked alongside them. I've held them. I've fed them. I've protected them. Do you, you understand what we're saying here when we see this? No. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, ever. No one will snatch them out of my hand. So when Paul gives us his goal here in chapter in verse 10, that my goal is to know him, this is the goal that he's talking about. He's saying my goal is to have a relationship with Christ, to know him in a way that he knows me, and he knows my voice, and I know his, and he knows everything about me, and I know everything about him, and we have experiences that we can 
cherish and look back on and, and that we can absorb myself in. That's the knowing that we have. And I look at maybe in my, in my life or even of those of the, the church and sometimes I wonder maybe the, sometimes our issue is not the programming or lack of programming or curriculum or lack of curriculum. Could it be our, our goal? What is your goal as a believer? What is our goal as a body? Is our goal to have certain activities? Those are not bad things. Is your goal to attend church 72 times in a row? Again, not bad things. But that's not what Paul's goal was. And he's told us earlier in the letter, how many times has he told this church of Philippi to, to mimic me? Look, look at how I have lived. So doesn't it make sense that that could also be true for us? And if Paul's goal was to know him more, to experience all that Christ was, to know Him in an intimate way, if that is our goal, I think a lot of these other things kind of start to fall into place, don't they? So I would challenge you, I would encourage you to really evaluate what is your goal. What's your end game in your Christian walk? Now let's look back. I think Paul kind of outlines here after he before he even told us here what, it, what his goal was, I think he outlines a little bit things we need to do or applications we can take to ensure that we do know him in that way, that we do know him in that intimate way. Look in, uh, back up in chapter 3, verse 2 of Philippians. In Philippians 3, verse 2, he says, Watch out for dogs. Watch out for evil workers. Watch out for those who mutilate the flesh. Now, who is he? Who is he talking about here? Are we familiar with what he's talking about? You know, several times in this letter, he's really talked about watching out for bad guys, right? For those that say one thing, but really they've got some other motives. We haven't really dove into who that is until today, and today we're going to look at who who is he really talking about? Okay, so. There was an issue in this day with those that, that we call them and, and they've been labeled. They, they probably weren't at this time, but, but since then we've labeled them as, as Judaizers. Okay? Now what, what that means is that they believe, you know, remember the, the gospel first came to the Jews, right? And then to what? And then to the Gentiles. After the Jews. Where there were some that, that, they didn't love that. Exactly. They didn't love the idea that this same thing that first came to the Jews was now open and was now available to the Gentiles. And that this same message and this same Christ and this same promise of eternal life that was given to the Gentiles is the same that was given to the Jews. And there were some, some Jewish believers that really had, had issue with that. And so what they tried to do was say, okay, it's faith. You need to have faith plus some things. 
You need to make yourself as Jewish as possible. And so if you do that, then you also, you can have this same faith. And so that's why when he talks about the circumcision that Paul talks about in there, that was one of those outward signs of becoming a Jew or of being a Jew. When he talks about mutilating the flesh, that was some of, that's what Paul's discussing there. That was some of the, uh, the, the outward sign there that I am Jewish. Where there was this group of believers that, that it was more than just accepting and believing on Christ. It was that salvation through faith, plus also if you'll just do a couple of these other little things here. Because we really need you Gentiles to look more like us. Jews. Because that then, then you'll really have that faith. Let's look in Acts. Let's go back and look at some of that in, in Acts chapter 14. Acts 14, verse 26. From there they sailed back to Antioch, where they had been entrusted to the grace of God for the work they had completed. After they arrived and gathered the church together, they reported everything God had done with them, and that they had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles, and they spent a considerable time with the disciples. Now let's see how that goes. Look in chapter 15. Some men came down from Judea and began to teach the brothers, unless you are circumcised, according to the custom prescribed by Moses, you cannot be saved. What are these people saying? What's that? Yeah, we need you to be more Jewish because we're not comfortable with the fact that just anybody gets to have Christ because he came for us. You need to look more like me for you to really be saved. But after Paul and Barnabas had engaged them in serious argument and debate, they arranged for Paul and Barnabas and some others of them to go up to the apostles and elders in Jerusalem concerning this controversy. This was a deal. This was not just one or two people that were prejudiced. I think, in fact, I think there were some good-hearted people in this debate. I think there were some people that honestly, their, their heart was probably in the right place. I think they wanted to believe that, but it was just such a foreign concept. It was such a foreign concept that that they could look different, that they could be Gentiles, which was just a, a very, that was, we were the clean race. We were God's chosen people. So how can even these be given that unless they look a little more like us or unless they go through these procedures or do these works or jump through these hoops? How can we, do you struggle with how God's salvation works? I do. There's lots of things that I look at and I read through and I'm like, God, I do not get that. That does not, I could have really made that much more efficient for you. But you know, I'm, I'm not God. And, and He knows a whole lot more about His salvation and about He is choosing to save His people, His creation, he knows a whole lot more about that than I do, or frankly, that I can understand. And I've said this before, and I, and I tell even our, our kids this, 
there are going to be questions that I have that I cannot answer. And you know what? I'm okay with it. And here's why I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it because if I can answer everything about my God, it means I'm as smart as my God. And that's terrifying to me. I'm not even the smartest one in my family. I don't want to be as smart as my God. Because I have a hard time putting everything that I have and everything that I am and everything that I will be, I have a very difficult time putting that into someone that I do not believe is more wise than me. But I have absolutely no problem giving everything that I have to one that I know knows so much more than me. So that's where we, that's where we are with this. So I, I want us to look at these, you know, and Paul calls them dogs here, and he's making his point to the church of Philippi, the danger, the danger that was in this way of thinking. But we need to be careful as we read through that to just think of these as terrible, awful people. What, what they were doing because of the damage that it was causing to the body of Christ was a terrible, awful thing. But, I think we could be in that same boat. Do we want other believers to look like us? To worship like us? Do we look down on some when they don't do it the way we do it? Let's make sure that we have the right things in order. It's about Him. It's about our relationship with Christ. Now, there are some that, that they don't have that correct. And so when that's not correct, everything else is going to fall apart. But if our relationship with Christ is there, let's make sure that some of the details, and because we want them to look more like us, talk more like us, sing more like us, dress more like us, we're falling into some of this same same issues that Paul was discussing here. So this was a this was a controversy. Verse 3. When they had been sent on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenicia and Samaria, explaining in detail the conversion of the Gentiles, and they created great joy among all of the brothers. So here in verse 15 we see there was this controversy. There was debate. There was argument. But then as Paul and Barnabas come and they lay out the plan of God and they lay out the plan of His salvation and he probably has those same conversations with with this group that we just had that it's not about what we look like or what we do, anything that takes away from the grace of God and the work of Him is irrelevant. And so I think the people we see there in, in later in verse 15, or in chapter 15, they say they rejoiced with all the brothers. I think that, that means that they, they came to an understanding that, that Christ is for all those who believe in Him. That it's not a faith plus works type of salvation, which is what many of these were kind of preaching or teaching, that it was a faith plus works. Now, you could make the argument that it is a faith plus work salvation. It is our faith and His one work. The work that He did on the cross. 
That's the only work that's involved in our salvation. And it has absolutely nothing to do with us. But it has everything to do with Him. So those are the, those are the, the, the dogs that He's talking about that we need to, to watch out for. But I think the application that we take from this is not to just watch out for those dogs that are teaching this particular faith or this particular doctrine, but I think it's also for us to watch out for, for that same mindset. For us in our own lives to watch out that we are not being judgmental about how someone else is saved. Maybe even about how God is using someone else or how God chooses to bless someone else. Let's make sure that our focus is just on knowing Him. It's just on knowing Him in a more intimate way. Second, verse 3, back in Philippians. Philippians 3, and in verse 3 it says, For we are the circumcision. Now what what he's saying there is, We've just talked about this, this group that he calls dogs that are saying they are putting the emphasis on this outward, uh, this outward act of, of showing a sign of being more Jewish. And then Paul says, we are the circumcision. We, as people, it's not a particular act or a particular outward sign, but we are that. We are the thing that is different. We are the circumcision. We are the ones who serve by the Spirit of God that boast in Christ Jesus and do not put confidence in the flesh. We don't put confidence in the flesh or in the law or in all the works and the things that man says make you a certain thing. But our confidence is only in what? In Him. Our confidence is only in Him and in what He has done. I'm going to read through... Quickly, I'm just going to give you the reference of things that I think Paul wants us to, to see and experience because he, in verse 3, I, I think as he's writing, I think this would have been an, a point of emphasis for you. I can imagine him saying, for we, we are the circumcision. You are that. You are the ones who serve by the Spirit of God. You are the ones who boast in Christ Jesus. It's you, the people, your heart, your mind, your soul. Don't get caught up in the acts and the laws. 1 John 3.3 says you are loved. Ephesians 1.6, you are accepted. John 1.12, you are a child of God. Romans 8.17, you are a joint heir with Christ. All of these are things that we are. We need to know who we are. First, 2 Corinthians 5.17, you are a new creation. And in Colossians 3.12, you are chosen. This is who you are. If these are the things that God's Word says that we are, why are we concerning ourselves with what we are not? Why are we concerning ourselves with what a law says that we should or should not do? Live in who you are. Live in who you are. Lastly, let's see in verse 7. Let's look at the value of knowing Him. 
You know, all of these are things that Paul is teaching us to reach the goal of knowing him. First, we should watch out, watch out for the dogs, watch out for that mindset, watch out, watch out for selfish thinking. And two, know who you are, know who you are in Christ. And now third, let's see the value of knowing him. In verse seven, but everything that was a gain to me, remember as we read earlier, we, we read through, Paul kind of gives his resume there. Uh, this is who I was. I was a big deal. I had all the degrees. I was everything that the perfect Jew should be. And he says it's all garbage. Verse 7. But everything that was a gain to me, all those things that he just listed in those verses before, everything that was a gain to me, I have considered to be a loss because of Christ. More than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus. Remember our word knowing, not just that I have an academic knowledge of him, but because I have experienced, I've walked alongside this intimate knowledge of Christ. Because of him, I have suffered the loss of all things and considered them filth so that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. If anyone had a reason to boast, it would be Paul in his actions and in how he had kept the law. He even goes through there and he says, if we're judging by how we've kept the law, I am found blameless because I've memorized the law and have kept it from my youth. But he says all of that is garbage compared to just knowing him. Compared to, to having an intimate relationship with the Savior of the world, all of this other stuff is garbage. Now that's a that's a nice passage to read. And we go through there and we enjoy reading that and we nod to it. Why is it then that our lives are not reflective of that same idea? Why is it that our lives are more reflective of checking boxes and in making sure that we've done certain things, making sure that we've said certain things, that we've got our, our works in place, that we've done all the things that we need to do rather than spending more time, energy, and effort in ensuring that we know Him. I think it's why the psalmist tells us in Psalm 46, verse 10, that we are to be still. Some of your versions might say, cease strifing, stop fighting. Maybe even it could say, quit working and know. Be still and know. Remember the know? that we talked about? 
not just knowing with our, with our mind. Be still. Stop fighting. Quit working. And know, experience that I am God. Experience that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. What's your end game? What's your goal? What is your goal in life? As a parent, is your goal to raise church-going, civil, obedient children? Or is it to raise future fathers and mothers and husbands and wives that have an intimate knowledge of their Creator? What's your goal? Is it to be seen as a pillar in your community? Is it to be well respected by others as being a really nice guy? Being honest? A hard worker? All those are great things. But they're simply byproducts. Those will come if you know Him. To experience Him. That should be our goal. And if that's not your goal, if that's not your end game, as a parent, as a person, as a citizen, as a young person, if your goal is not to just know Him, then you will be working the rest of your life in vain. You will constantly be fighting You'll constantly be working for this thing that really is unattainable. And you'll be frustrated. And it's why we see so many young people leave the church when they have an opportunity. Because too often I think we put this goal on them of we want you to be this. We want you to look like this. We want you to do these things. This is how we dress for church. This is how we act in church. This is what we do. We put our focus and the goal there instead of putting the focus and the goal in knowing their Creator. They need to know who their Savior is. Have an intimate, working, experiential relationship with Him. If and when they and we have that, all these other things, being a hard worker, working with integrity, ethically, all of those things, they just fall into place. Because that's who you will become as you just know Him. What's your goal as a parent? What's your goal as a person? What's your end game? Begin with the end in mind. Begin today with what you want your end game to be. Let's pray. Father, thank you for Paul's 
words. Thank you for his, his letter. And Lord, for, forgive us for how we so often put the focus and put the emphasis on the things and on the rules and on what makes us maybe even more comfortable in how we worship and in how we serve you. Because Father, it's tangible, it's something we can do, and I feel better about knowing that I know you if I can say that I've done this and I've done that. But Father, I, I pray that today, the Lord, all of those that are here, that they know you. Not that they have knowledge of you, but they experience you. Lord, if there's someone here this morning that does not know you in that way, I pray that your spirit would speak. I pray that your spirit would wrap them. I pray that their mind would be focused only on needing to know you more. Lord, I pray just as the psalmist did, that we would be still. That we would stop fighting. Father, that we would quit working and know that you are God. Know you as our creator. Know you as our savior. We pray this in the name of our savior, Jesus. Amen.